Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Chat. Now, super quick, I know all of you were expecting our regular episode on Wednesday, but I had something to take care of, so my co-hosts were kind enough to give me their Sunday evening (laughs) so we can catch up on all things soap opera and even talk about the primetime chat. Now, we were also supposed to have a special guest co-host, Lakina, on our last episode, but guess what? She'll be joining us this Wednesday, so don't miss it. In the meantime, let's check in on our co-host. Alan, how you doing? I'm doing well. This is just like the old days when we started the podcast in 2019 when we used to record on Sundays. I know. I, I was just talking to Rodrigo about that, that we haven't done a Sunday in a long time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, the first long. regular episode of like a month, because we were just walking to Soap Stars for the last, past few episodes. Exactly. Which I love. It's like so weird. We're like back to normal, but we're missing two of our guys tonight. Um, but I guess we'll make do. Um, and then, of course, Rodrigo, my dear, how are you? I am doing well, Casey. I mean, this is the only time I'm going to let you impede on my Potomac time tonight, but it's okay. I will watch that after this taping. <laughs> Rodrigo, but... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's Sunday night at 8 o'clock, Casey. It's Potomac night, but it's okay. I will watch these girls later, but I am happy to be here tonight. Like we don't live in an age where it's okay. <laughs> you missed live. T- this isn't the Knox no. Landing two-hour series finale. <laughs> like, geez. well, this is the only one of the only shows I do watch live. Wow, oh, it's that good this season, but yeah. Okay, well, good for you. Um, <laughs> thank you, Rodrigo, for giving up your Sunday. I appreciate. it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so let's get into these soaps because, my goodness, a lot has happened this past week, you guys. And let's just hit up Days of Our Lives first. So Days of Our Lives had the big kidnapping climax of Susan and Bonnie was roped into getting kidnapped by Xander as well, all under the guise of Ava being the big boss. And then we had a car crash and Susan is now thought to be dead because the car exploded. I mean... Oh my goodness, Alan, I'm going to hand things over to you. Just take it away. What were your thoughts on the kidnapping climax? Not very well done, but there's no way Susan's dead because we all know no body, no death. That's just so basics. She's probably going to turn up alive probably like next month, probably, if not this month, because there's no way they're going to kill. Ron loves Susan too much to kill her off. If I was thinking Liz of Ron's favorite characters on the show, it would probably be Susan, Susan, Paulina, fucking, who else, Casey? Who else would be Ron's uh, Anybody who doesn't have the last name Horton. Um, yeah. He also, like, I ben, think. Ben, Sierra, he loves Lamb. Ben, Sierra, Gabby, um, Gwen. EJ loves EJ, I think. Yeah, EJ. But yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. It was well done. I just, okay. I I know it stays. I get it. I'm a little tired, though, of people not being dead. I mean, God, I don't think today Ron has actually dead, dead a character besides Charlie. I mean, am I missing anybody? Has he been? Oh, yeah. My my poor Adrian, because we need the body. Yeah. And I'll go for now. Yeah. So, I mean, but his track record 
he's very old school days in that regard that his back from the deads outweigh his dead deads but still i'm kind of over it i mean i love susan too but like not even ava is dead from this so it's like what's the point like i don't know um Alan, what did you think, though, of Dan Fugarigal's performances during this time? I thought they were amazing. Really good. He's a good an EJ. He's very different from James Scott, who was a lot colder in the role. Which you didn't really give a shit about Susan. <laughs> I guess that was mostly the writing, but even James Scott played it that way. Like, you're just annoyed that Susan was there. But this EJ actually loves Susan. So yeah, that... That's good. I'm glad that Ron made and Dan and made a choice that this EG actually loves Susan. Me too. And I loved the scenes even leading up to Susan's kidnapping where, you know, they were sharing the peanut butter, banana, bacon sandwiches, and they were just close. And that just felt so honest to EJ's grief when the car uh, went off the cliff and exploded. Um, it felt a lot more authentic to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kudos to- is, you know, Susan was probably a much more loving presence in EJ's life than Stefano was. Exactly. And I feel like that's not really talked about enough. Um, but they've definitely tried to have those discussions, at least under Ron's tenure. So I'll give Ron a cookie for that. He He deserves a cookie for that. Um, Rodrigo, what did you think of the big kidnapping climax? And um, also touch upon Xander's dilemma of will he tell the truth? Uh, it was good. I mean, the, I like the climax. I've always enjoyed EJ versus Ava. I think Dan, I never can say that man's last name right, Dan Fugarigal. Fugarigal. And Tamara Broad have great chemistry together. When EJ and Ava go head to head on each other, they one trying to one up each other. I like that. I I was hoping, and I'm thinking maybe Tamara is she's still taping because Ava's still alive. She I thought they're gonna kill her off. So and that's not what's happening here. I think Ava and Susan got out that car before it exploded. I don't know how, but you know Rod, he'll make something up that something happened last minute, and they got that car. Right before it exploded, and Ava is making EJ think that Susan is dead. So this is part of Ava's revenge against EJ, and I hope they still play that off. I want to see EJ and Ava go keep going back and forth until they hit those sheets eventually, because that's how you know these type of relationships start off on days of people hating each other, and then they all of a sudden can't live without each other. But I like how that is going. I do love the relationship between EJ and Susan. I love that Frank, I mean, uh, Ron corrected that because, yes, when James was playing EJ, he was embarrassed and disgusted by Susan. Like, that's how James played it off. Uh, and I never liked that part because, like, Susan was a great mother to, to EJ, like, despite her wackiness and, you know, whatnot. She raised that boy. So now I love that seeing that relationship play out between Susan and EJ. I do love Dan and uh, Stacey Hyduk when they have their scenes together. It's very poignant. It's real. This is the good side of EJ. I like to see, you know, EJ is an evil bastard, but he is 
that vulnerable side of him comes out. I love how Dan plays that out. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going to go. I mean, it's, the story's not over yet, from what I've been told. Um, and and if, I feel like they kind of rewrote this because I thought Tams was out, was gone. Like, this, she was not coming back. But I think Ron has found a way to prolong this because AJ, I mean, EJ and Ava play well against each other. I love those two when they're in scenes together. Like this, and then if Alice and Sweeney ever comes back, can you imagine those three in a story together? I mean, it just writes itself. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, that would be interesting, but for me, only from the standpoint of Tamara Braun and Ali Sweeney going at it, because I don't think Dan and Allie have any chemistry whatsoever. <laughs> but it would be interesting to see them go at it for like two months or however long Allie comes back for. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was all very interesting to me. My my big complaint with all of this, like, I got to, you know, I love Days, loved Dan's performances, all that, but I got to get to my gripe of the story, which is how they're writing Xander. I get it that they want Xander to be kind of this bad guy with the heart of gold or kind of this gray conflicting character. But for me, it seems as though they're struggling to write that organically. This yes. came off so unorganically to me with Xander. I don't think Xander would have regressed this much. Like he said to Susan in the car, as he was driving her to the Demera crypt, he was like, oh, you know, or did he say this to Susan? No, he said this to himself. Sorry. He said it to himself. He was like, oh, I've worked so hard. Like Sarah's not going to forgive me, blah, blah, blah. It's like, why did you do this? That Like, Xander literally blew up his marriage one month later. I just, to me, that came off so unorganically. It's they, like, they I don't, don't understand. Character anymore. I, I, the Xander part of it, yes, that was my gripe too. I hated that part of it. I just, why is Xander, what was he needed in this for? I'm sick of him being portrayed as this loser who can't get a job. He's still... He can't make any money. This is what he has to do is do these low level stuff that he's promised Sarah. He was changed and everything. And like, again, once again, he's lying to Sarah again. And of course, Sarah is going to get in her moral high <laughs> perch and like, yes, how <laughs> again. And like, it, it's sloppy for me. Like, that is like, it's like the rise don't know what to do with Xander and Sarah anymore. Like it's it, you're doing the same stories oh. with them all the time. It's the same exposition with these two, and it's just like okay. And my thing I is, he should have dump him again as because he easily dumps Xander. Like the, for one thing about Sarah, she is not right or die whatsoever. No, she's not. She's very. <laughs> she's she just is, like a. Hmm. Uh, just like Elena on The Young and the Restless. You know, she's very like, I'm going to stand higher than you, even though I've done shady shit. And, 
you're just going to have to put up with the, with it because you want my pussy. Like, <laughs> that's what it's giving. And nice. yeah, it's Gwen, it's Gwen is not the only one. I don't believe Gwen is the only one in 2022 who can figure out that Xander's company was not real. Like, I get it. We have to suspend some disbelief. But even Gwen was like, they don't have a website. They don't have a Twitter. They don't have an email address. Like, this is fake, isn't it? And Xander's like, yeah, it is. How come nobody else can figure that out? Like, we had a scene where Victor sits there in the living room and goes, if this is such a powerful startup of a pharmacy, how come I've never heard of it? Like, this is ridiculous. It's so stupid in 2022 for Sarah not even to wonder with all this technology around and with how important the reputations of pharmaceutical companies are and she's a doctor it's i i can't it's irking me way too much i'm tired of these storylines i wish he went away from xander because i wish they would too if you want gwen to work you need to put her with the strong hero type that's a good guy to balance her out she doesn't work with xander yeah i agree i mean I don't mind if they interact because the history is there, but constantly trying to push them together in scenes, you know, she figures out his wrongdoings and it's just, no, move her away from that. I I don't want them together, especially if he and Sarah head for divorce in the new year. Um, But yeah, the the Xander part was not needed. Ava just could have done this alone. I don't think she even needed an accomplice, really. Um, no, they could have given Sarah and Xander something else to do. Um, so anyway, in the meantime, however, another big plot climaxed on days, uh, Chanel's arrest for murder. We found out that Chanel had an affair with, uh, one of her professors in overseas and, um, the wife found out and she got into it with the wife, killed her. And Sloan, of all people, is the daughter of that couple. So, Rodrigo, what did you think of that plot uh, climaxing on the other side of the show? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I can't. I don't care. Like, look. Uh... Who is Sloan's father that I would care that he was killed? Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I, it's okay. Is he somebody from the history of this show? Is it someone I should care that Chanel killed? Did this man try to hurt her or like what? I don't care, Case. Like, this, I thought I was going to care about this. I was like, oh, who is going to be the mystery person? Like, it, and the whole time it's Sloan getting revenge for her daddy that no one cares about. And who are you, Sloan? Like, who? We still don't even know nothing about Sloan, really. Like, where did she come from? Who is she? Why do I care? Um, it's another story. I don't like to. I, I, no, I don't like the storyline at all. I just think. They needed something for them to do for Chanel and Paulina. And then like, this is the best they could have come up with. And I just don't care because just because of this murder of this guy that no one should like, I hate when these soaps do this, like they make me care. Like, why should I care about this at all? Like, I don't, I have no words. Josh Carissa. 
<laughs> it's like it is I- very. Oh my god! It is it. You know what, Alan? It's actually reminding me of the AJ Montavo mess from two years ago, um, because this is very like Sloan reminds me a lot of Alyssa Montavo. You know, she comes to town. It's like who's Alyssa and who is Sloan? And they turn out to be the daughter. Literally, they were both daughters of the person killed. So it's just like, but yeah, I mean, really the way they could salvage this story is, okay, who is Sloan's father? Because the professor is still alive, right? So if they make it somebody from history, then maybe we've got some sort of a ball game. But then it's like, you know, who could it be from history? I really don't even know at this point. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. <laughs> um, start, like father could have been like, I would have done. I would have took Peter Blake. I mean, or, that's who I was thinking. But then uh-huh. you got to suspend your disbelief that Peter Blake went to get his education degree, <laughs> right? And you're like, who else in the day's history that fits that profile of a? And I'm lost. I, I no, I. Ron, retool this because I don't. I really don't care. Like, like Chanel. Hopefully, she's not gonna be in jail for longer. This is so dumb. And like, yeah, I no. This is not the story, Ron. This ain't it. This ain't it. Yeah, no, I. It's not it. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not it. Um, but I will say, I I love a. Uh, Oh, what's her name? Jessica Safferty, Saftry, is that who plays Sloan? I I do really love her, and I would like to see her stick around, but they I just like- could have made her Chad's sister because she got the same last name as Madeline. It's like, and she looks like a little like she could be Jessica Tuck's daughter. It's like they didn't need to do this whole, I'm the daughter of the Professor Paulina, and then everyone needs to be related because the the family trees on the days are too complicated. Sometimes you need people who can just fuck anyone. I mean, I agree with you there, but it's like you know, weighing my options just for me, you know, weighing my options of okay, what would I have rather seen? Her be the retcon professor murderer person, or her be Chad's sister. I don't know. Or honestly, just something new entirely. (laughs) Because, yeah, it's like, honestly, I'm not even sure if they'll care enough to even bring on the professor. I just feel like maybe that will be a dangling thread and oh to the well. Um, But yeah, it's just like, is this the only reason she came to town then? Like, that's what I'm not understanding. I just, I don't you know, know. Through this storyline again, like it doesn't make any sense to me, and I, I don't know how you can retool this at this juncture. I mean, it's already been written out, so I don't, we got to find out. We're gonna have to sit through it. Yeah. <laughs> what Ron is putting, and like, I, maybe there's some twists and turns, maybe you know. But I'm just, I guess, because you know the story. I mean. What I will give them credit for is the story just started. So Mm -hmm. there is time to, you know, turn it around. And because I assume this is a story that will maybe likely go on until like April or something, you know, 
Um, depending. I'm on... just tired of new characters coming on the show, shows, and I'm here for revenge against my dead parent. Yeah, they didn't have Hillary on the Restless as well. That was their entrance for on the Restless. Because she was mad that the old, old didn't save her white mother from dying. <laughs> oh, Rose Turner, rest in peace. Um, right. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm kind of over it too, Alan, because we've seen it a million times. And rarely is it somebody who's connected to the history of the show that we care about. So I'm not up for another six months of this unless unless they turn it look they could prove me wrong but also at the same time i don't want it to be the climax of the story where they prove me wrong i am liking days a lot more lately but this is still a big problem with the show you have 260 episodes to fill a year you are on every single day monday through friday you need to get better at your execution i'm over it it's like you can't have the beginning of the story and the very end OMG climax. You need the middle of the story. And I know that's a problem with a lot of these soaps from time to time. And a lot of them have stories like that. And I'm not saying every days of our lives story is like that. It's just this past year, I've noticed it more than any other year on the show in recent time with Ron is that the middle falls flat. And I'm sorry, the middle is where you're supposed to stabilize the viewers to watch until your climax. So maybe they will prove us wrong with the Chanel story. I just don't want them to take forever to get there. Um, anyway, Alan, before we move on to the bold and the beautiful, did you want to touch on the whole Jada pregnancy story and what's going on there? You want to be too hard on Nicole because Jada's a grown woman. If she wants to get an abortion, she gets an abortion. Period. Yeah, I mean, I like, look, my jaw dropped on that episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that wasn't the twist I was expecting, but I do commend the writers for going there. Uh, I saw a lot of complaints from people. Oh, why didn't we get to see Jada's struggle for the abortion? <laughs> <laughs> But that's the point of them doing that, idiots. Like that, that that was the twist. She had an abortion because she could, because she can. That's her right. Her body, her right. And I did love the episode. The you know, Eric and Nicole going at each other over it. I mean, the performance between uh Greg Vaughn and, and Ariane was amazing. They did great in those scenes. I don't think Nicole is the bad person. I mean, she she told she she told some truths that maybe Jada wasn't ready to hear. And like, if that was the reason she wanted to go get her abortion, so be it. I mean, I think she did have the abortion. I'm seeing people saying that she didn't have it. Like, what would be the point of her not having the abortion so she could go get pregnant right away again, or claim that someone else is the father? Of the, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. I like that they went there. We don't. We didn't need a baby in this. Um, <laughs> Eric and Nicole. I mean, I've been through it enough of their back and forths. Like it's. I like this aspect of it because it's more true to life. Because a lot of their, um, you know, Eric and Nicole not being together has been like some silly shit with like Nicole dying in the fire and then Christian pretend to be Nicole and all that shit. I mean. 
I like that they're dealing with like some real life drama, like and tackling the subject of abortion. That's a very genius move by the writers because you don't expect real life shit to play out on days of our lives. And <laughs> for them to actually want to go there on this subject, I more power to them. And you know, people are mad that Eric won't be a father. I mean, I don't care. Okay, he's not gonna be a father. Who cares? Like, well, but you know, and that's you know, so real life. You know how you rectify that? You make Holly Eric's daughter and like wreck on that. And yeah, there you go. Eric's a father. Okay, but this is real life. Like Jada was not she didn't have to have this baby. She was it was this is a oopsie <laughs> pregnancy she had. Like she wasn't planning this. And she didn't want to be in the middle of Eric Nicole's fucking drama. Are you kidding me? Yes, I commend her for like being like, you know what? I don't gotta deal with this. And I make decisions for myself. I'm sorry, Eric. You were mad. You were upset. Go talk to your girl because she's the one to talk to me and kept it real with me at least while everybody else was being all Google Gaga about this baby coming and stuff. No, I I, I love where this went. And I, it, it, you know, the discussions that's, it, that's coming from it, I liked it. Uh, you know, you got your batshit crazy Eric Nicole fans, some of y'all a little cuckoo about this. And like, but... I'm enjoying this. Like when Days does some real shit, I enjoy that aspect of the show. There was only one thing. <laughs> there was only one complaint I had because truthfully, it was besides like um Dan Fugarigal's performances, um, and how we got to the climax of the Ava side of things specifically. This has been my favorite story over the past week to, to, to two weeks. My only gripe was, is I love when Days does real stuff, but I wish they would stop beating us over the head with it. I don't need 13 characters to tell Jada it's her body, her choice. I get you're trying to do an abortion story. I get it. It's timely. But also, I felt as though there should have been some opposing sides. Um, I felt as though you weren't going to get an opposing side from Kate, but mm, but, you know, maybe even an opposing side from Roman. Um, you know, what if Roman wasn't cool with this? You know, the Bradys are very devout to their religion. And so that would have made sense. Um, but moreover, I did love that they went this direction. Because, Rodrigo, I totally agree with you. I don't think Eric needed a kid from his relationship with Jada right at this very moment. Um, you know, let's wait it out. If they are going to have a child someday, even though Eric and Nicole should just be together by now, um, then have it come down the line. It didn't need to come right away. And I was worried it was going to come right away. Um, and so I'm really happy that they did the abortion side of things. Uh, it you really always give Eric a recon child if you wanted to. Well, and like Rodrigo said, I mean, you know, Holly, or you can even retcon and give him a child with Serena. Um, and look, I know that was not a great story, but Serena is there from his history. Um, and they loved each other very much. So you could even go that route as well. You know, what if Serena's parents have been raising Eric's child this whole time? So yeah, we'll see where it goes. I'm invested, though. I'm very invested in what happens next with the whole Rafe, Jada, Nicole, uh, Eric unit of things. 
Uh, so anyway, the bold and the beautiful had quite a big week as well as they climax uh, Thomas calling CPS on himself using Brooke's voice. Um, the Taylor Ridge wedding started. The truth exploded. The wedding did not happen. Uh, Brooke told Ridge that she needs to honor her self-respect and that he needs to go find himself before he loves somebody else. Ridge also told Thomas there would be consequences for him, including reevaluating his position at Forrester Creations. And then um, Douglas went back to live with Liam and Hope. And finally, we closed it all out by Taylor and Brooke having a big discussion in a couple of scenes about what went down. Um, Alan, what did you think of The Bold and the Beautiful this past week? In my day, char- so characters scheme to get themselves laid, not their parents. Because back in the 90s, you didn't see Sammy Brady scheming to get her mother a big fat cock. She was trying to get Austin's cock. I'm just tired of this. Why can't Thomas scheme to get something else other than Paris laid? That he was good this week. Chris Allen did a good job. Uh, Kelly, Kelly Lane did a good job. Thorsten K was there, I guess. You're <laughs> <laughs> so mean. He's just there for the check. He just uh, he has a mortgage to pay. <laughs> Look, but I, I actually... gladly noted that it, Thomas needs professional help from someone who isn't his mother because that always bothered me. Oh, Thomas went off to get help from his mother. You're not supposed to get therapy for your mother. She can't be objective about you. She wiped your ass when you were a baby. I loved that. So my favorite scenes this week were definitely the Taylor and Brooke stuff. One, because of that. I loved when Brooke was like, he needs help. And I also loved when they closed out the scenes and Taylor just said goodbye, Brooke. And they had like that moment. And for me, I found myself enjoying the episodes this past week. But let me explain. Let me expound upon that a little bit more. So when something gets really soapy, when people yell, when, you know, things, when history points are thrown around, when actors show up, when you see a vet like KKL uh, getting her Emmy reel together, that's exciting. So, of course, I was going to enjoy this week because it was the climax of a lot of things. But B&B is a lot of surface drama because when you begin to dig beneath the surface, you see what got us to these episodes. And what got us... turned out to be the worst story in this show's history because... And the reason I say it's the worst in the show's history, even though there's a lot to choose from, is because a lot of characters have been damaged like never before. We have taken a legacy character that is so important and crucial to the show like Thomas. He is an out-and-out villain now of Sheila Carter proportions almost. Um, Ridge is once again not being held accountable for anything. Brooke says it's about her self-respect, but she also tells Ridge that he can have her anytime he wants, as long as he goes on some Oprah Super Soul Sunday journey. Um, 
Steffi, I I love Steffi this week, but at the same time, I was upset with her because she wasn't pointing out the fact that Thomas has done this twice this year. First with the CPS call and then finding out what Sheila did to Brooke and being more than willing to scheme with Sheila to get Taylor and Ridge back together, which led to his sister being shot. And then he kept the truth about that for at least a month and a half. It's like every single character in this plot has been damaged when that didn't need to happen. I was talking with Tiggs and Tiggs told me, he was like, why didn't Taylor, oh no, wait, it wasn't Tiggs, it was Chaz, sorry. Chaz said, why didn't Taylor and Ridge just fuck? Like, why didn't they just sleep together? And I thought about that more and I was like, yeah, they could have just slept together in Monaco instead of kissing. It's like that would have been a much more organic way to get them down that aisle. And then the wedding might have actually happened. Uh, But anyway, Rodrigo, what did you think of B&B this past week? (laughs) Well, there were days like one day would be good and the second day would be like, God awful. And then the third day would be good again. Um, I'll tell you the good and the bad. The good for me is Catherine Kelly Lang. Like, bar none, this woman, say what you want to say about Brooke Logan. She's been called every name in the book <laughs> on Twitter. People are blaming the writing on this Logan versus Forrester war. Which I'm like, sometimes I, I feel like some bold and beautiful viewers are not watching the same show. Well, I promise you all, <laughs> it is not that deep, nor has it ever been. Not that deep, people. Like, cut it out with that. Uh, but I love Brooke Logan this week. I love that she did find her self respect, even though, like you said, Casey, she said Oprah, she said <laughs> Rich is some Oprah retreat to find himself, which I'm getting tired of people. Let, let Rich. <laughs> Get away with this bullshit, but spoiler alert for next for this week. I believe Eric is going to get in Ridge's ass for all his ridiculousness because it needs to be pointed out to Ridge that you are a man child. You have been doing this since day one of this show. Ridge has always played these women against each other, and he's made himself look like he's the victim. He gaslights his women into thinking that. They need him when they really don't need him. I but that wish is to- so, that is not to cut you off, but that is so not Eric's lesson to teach. After he it just fucked Donna. It's not Eric's lesson to teach. But I think for Eric, I think he's going to see, like, okay, what did I raise? I raised. <laughs> uh, you, like, Ridge needs help. Ridge needs help. Like, he sat there in that wedding. Like, yeah, even though he went. Justifiably went in on Thomas because Thomas stopped doing this dumb shit. You and Steffi, those two together, that parent trap shit is what led to this bullshit. Steffi, you are not no innocent party either because you went along with scheming and plotting too with Thomas, even though Thomas went ahead of you and did something without your knowledge. That's why you're really mad because you weren't really in the thing in the first place. And it's Steph, you know better than Thomas. Thomas, yes, he's being written as a villain, but this is not the first villain shit Thomas has done. The whole, and Thomas has been written like this for years. It's not just with Matthew Atkinson. Go back to the tapes. 
Pearson Forday had to play that part where Thomas raped Caroline. I don't care what you say, he raped her when she was unknown pills or whatever. And like that's her dub. That's where Douglas came from. So um, yeah, there's that. So Thomas has been written like this on and on for years. And then when Matthew Atkinson took over, they went balls to the wall and just made him do every ridiculous stunt in the book. And yes, he deserved to lose your family. You, like this was going above and beyond. You should be under a jail, Thomas. What I didn't like about the episode was like, Taylor, you, Taylor was willing to go along with the bullshit. Yes, you found out five minutes before the wedding ceremony, but bitch, you were going to go along with it. That was my point with these, and some Taylor fans were getting on me because I pointed out, like, Taylor, you are just as complicit with your children because you went out, you were willing to go along with it until Stephanie finally stood up and said something. And when Douglas played that tape, I was screaming <laughs> when Douglas, Douglas played the tape because he's taking time for his old father. He can't stand Thomas either. He's like, I don't even like this man no more. Man. I don't know what man. This is not my father. This is an evil man. And I'm going to exp- like he, she did it. He and the way Douglas did it was so something that Stephanie would have done. Mama, big mama Stephanie would have done. It was so Stephanie. Look, yes. they after the right person. Yes, because mm-hmm. yeah, that little actor that plays Douglas, amazing little actor. Um, but yeah, I. It, it's the one person that needs to have his nuts roast over open fire is Ridge. Like I want Taylor and Brooke to cut the bullshit. I like the little scene they had on Friday where they both look at each other and like, you know what, bitch? <laughs> We've been, basically, they, they know they've been played. They've been played for years. I love that the, in the dialogue it was like, yes, Brooke is like, I cannot keep going back and forth with you and Rich like this. Like, this has been going on for like, since the Reagan administration. These guys, <laughs> they have been going, no, not even Reagan, Bush won. Since Bush won, they have been doing this mess. And it's like, okay, enough. Enough, Brad Bell. And I know Brad Bell is geeked out about doing another triangle with Taylor Ridge and Brooke. That's his moneymaker, is that triangle. But even us as viewers, we're, we're, Brad, enough. It's, it's, it, it, you can see Catherine Kelly Lang is tired of doing this shit. <laughs> you can tell she's like, I got to play this again. But she sold it for me because Brooke was like, you know what? I know I can get him back anytime I want, but I don't want him right now. Like he needs to, <laughs> to figure his life out. And then she he told Taylor that. And I think I think those two are gonna finally not come to peace, but realize like they've been played like idiots for years. And someone needs to break the cycle. Cause um, yeah, it's enough. Exactly. So Alan, let me ask you this. Where do you see the custody of Douglas going now? Well, if Thomas wanted to take us to court, he didn't laugh out of the court because all he would have to say is, this asshole called CPS on himself to get his mother some dick. Why would you give him custody? He's not going to get custody. Well, and then if they were in court, Thomas would have to admit that he also committed fraud. So <laughs> Thomas would be up under the jail. Um, yeah, Thomas is not getting no damn custody. Like you can forget about it. Hopes that baby mom, that's that 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 baby's mother, and that's that. I'm sorry, Forrester fans, y'all bad and upset because Thomas can't be a dad. <laughs> that's his, that's his own goddamn fault because he's the one 
who did all this shit. He set all this shit in motion. He doesn't pay. And I'm glad he's going to be getting the consequences. You're going to be out of force or good. You're going to be, uh, your family's going to disown you, good. Like, that's what you get. And then, like, I don't care. Thomas needs to pay for what he did. I don't care about what Brooke did 20 years ago because that's all these fans can bring up. It's like, well, Brooke did this 15 years ago. She did, I don't <laughs> care what she did. We're talking about now. We're not talking about what happened before. Like, we're talking about what's going on on my screen, what I see on the screen. And I see, uh, I see a psychotic young man who needs help, not from his mommy. He needs real well, And also, why look back on the past when a lot of people are getting the history wrong and just believing what Brad Bell tells them? Yes. And this would be such a great... Oh, if they could bring Ian Buchanan back as Dr. James Ward oh, to treat Tommy, because like that would... Yeah. And you he know would Taylor would let it happen because, you know, James was one of her boo things. So. Yeah. Took his virginity in that damn earthquake. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yes, she did. <laughs> Up in Big Bear, t- Big Taylor. Okay, she said we're gonna see another Big Bear. Right. Oh, I don't want you to die a virgin. <laughs> I'm gonna sleep with you, little Taylor. You, you, you talk about to see, to see Thomas get on screen therapy. I want to actually see it. You need to see him get better if you want him to be a viable character. He can still like he scheme and stuff, but he doesn't have to be. This nuts. Yeah, I don't mind Thomas as a schemer. Like, I mean, it's, it's I don't mind him being scheming and you know a little dastardly. But these over the top, like calling CPS on yourself, dude. Like, <laughs> and really, then setting up and gaslighting your child. And gaslighting. And these are the people that want him to have custody of his kid. The way he treats Douglas, he is awful to that child. Awful. And you guys want him to have custody of this child. Get out of here. That's <laughs> only because they don't like her. Oh, she's boring. You don't like her. Yeah, Shut up. She's a good mother. Yes. Period. And she's the only mother that child has ever come to know in his early development years. Because, and I tried to say that on Twitter one time, and the floodgates open. Well, here's the thing. Let's talk about Caroline death. Let's talk about the rape. Let's talk about Ridge wanting to keep Douglas from Thomas when he was first born. It's like, please. But they never they never seem to want to mention that Ridge, Ridge almost was that boy's father that he was going to take custody away from. Come on now. Thomas has never been... Y'all never thought Thomas would have been a good father for that child. Y'all never thought... Y'all knew something was wrong with that kid. With Thomas, you did nothing about it. You thought Taylor was going to help. The same Taylor that shot Bill Spencer, that one was going to help. <laughs> really? Really? Okay. The same one that popped Bill Spencer a couple years ago when talking about she wanted to help this boy. She can't even help herself. It, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I'm like, uh, this may be the last one. I don't want to see no more Taylor Ridgeway, no more Ridgebrook anything. I don't want no, none of them no more. None. I'm over it. I'm tired. Brad Bell, you have wasted your you have wasted these our viewers' times on this bullshit again. Like I'm I'm tired of it. I don't want to see no more of it. Yeah. I want you to stop having living room weddings. Just build <laughs> some sort of set to have a wedding in. I'm tired of everyone getting married in a fucking living room. Especially when those living rooms keep shrinking. Why the hell was Lee 
in her $4,000 evening gown sitting on a sofa. Like you couldn't even afford enough chairs. Like remember when B&B used to do these cop out weddings and they would make you still believe it. Like they would still set the stage in a grand way. And that's what I don't understand about B&B. Now this conversation I've had with Tiggs many times. The show doesn't look horrible, but everything looks so cramped and small. It's like, why? Your show gets 30 million viewers around the world a day. You own your show. Your show should not look like that, especially when you just went on location to Monaco. You can afford bigger sets, Brad. I know you can. Mm Mm-mm. You, you trying to say it's cheap looking, Casey? <laughs> what you say, Rodrigo? <laughs> trying to say it's cheap looking. It's cheap looking. It's. I mean, uh, Brad Bell's balling on a budget. You can say it. he's balling on a budget because, yeah, the sets are smaller. Um, smaller, honey. Smaller. My bedroom is bigger than the Forrester Mansion. Right. The rest is still getting buried in the living room. I know Most it's the like they now. spent too much money on furniture. <laughs> and they don't care about studio space. I would rather see you open up the walls of the Forrester Mansion than you buy a new couch. <laughs> Just oh. another thing. But another thing, case. How childish is the dialogue that Taylor is spouting out, talking about? It, we want to be a family again. Your kids are forty years old. They're forty and up. You're, you're carrying on about being a family again. You guys are old. Yeah, I could see if she maybe looked at it from the point of view of, because what Stephanie would have done is Stephanie would have looked towards the next generation. And we were always told that Taylor was kind of supposed to be the next Stephanie. And Mm -hmm. so in like that matriarch type of role. So it's like, I feel like Taylor would have said, we need to build a solid foundation for Kelly, Hayes and Douglas. You know, it's no longer just about us. We have the next generation of mm. our family. But she don't care about them them kids. No. Nope. Uh. Like RJ doesn't exist. Like, originally has kids with Taylor. Right. RJ don't exist. Bridget is still supposed to be in L.A. We haven't seen Bridget since July. Um, she no longer talks to Rick. Lizzie is no longer talked about. Jack Maroney hasn't been talked about in 15 years. It's like, that's a big problem for me with B&B. And like RJ is at the top of that list. How come we have chemoed Abbott, every single legacy kid on that canvas? I don't understand it. Mm. It's like the cast is not small, but at the same time, it is small, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like Where's other kids? Where's Felicia? Kristen. Where's Thorne? Yeah. Kristen and Thorne. Now they they're international. Not they're international. Where's oh, and that's there? another thing. So speaking about them, why couldn't Zenday be at the wedding? His whole family's there, and Zenday's not going to this wedding. Like, I, but you know, Carter is back to officiating weddings now. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different discussion. Probably what they probably 
even they got married, he would have forgot to sign the paperwork. Like that, that's just Carter. I really Carl- thought they were going to reveal that that annulment wasn't filed. Right. Oh Lord. And you got fucking Heather Tom wasted on damn couch scenes. Kate uh, oh, the Brooks ass, like everybody. Oh, Brooks. Katie. If I was still despise Brooke. Yes, I'm like. What? It's only been nine years since the initial incident, the initial affair. And, and Katie then, knows that Bill still wants Brooke. That's the other thing. Yes. Too. She knows that. And like Bill, and then Bill, what was that scene between him and, and Sean Kane the other day? Him and um, Deacon. <laughs> it's like, but, Tiggs' first reaction to that, because Tiggs and I watched that episode together, and he literally pauses the episode and he goes, What the hell are these Sean Kane and Don Diamond scenes? But it's like filler episodes, it's filler. It's like the, it made no sense. Like Bill's not being written as he should be. Well, apparently, Bill takes a dark turn this coming week and puts back on his sword necklace. I'm like, uh, wow. where, okay. where did that come from? What What's happening in Bill's life that he takes right. a he's suddenly He's not eating pussy. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's probably it. Oh my well, God. I noticed he's back, you know, he's back to drinking very heavily. And, you know, during that time at around 2015, Katie was like, Bill, I hate you when you're like this. You can't control your liquor. So... Here we go for another paint-by-numbers, plot-driven, we-have-nothing-for-Don-Diamant-to-do, pull-something-out-of-our-asses caper. Why don't you just kill Bill off? There's no point to the character anymore. Oh, damn it. I want to kill him off. Maybe write him out. Um, Well, it's like, you know... There's a lot of retooling that this show can. This is a lot of characters are not working. Um, well, and a lot of pieces of it need a reboot. You know, the Spencers. I I don't understand past 2018 why the Spencer family no longer matters. Um, oh yeah, they have not mattered in like forever. Like the, all all Liam and um, uh, what's that, bro? Wyatt and. <laughs> and Bill do is sit around and gossip like fucking Real Housewives and talking about the forces. I'm just like, okay, that's not a story, Brad. To have <laughs> well, and why is Wyatt still on my canvas? Flo's not there anymore. His mother's okay. not there anymore. Why is Wyatt still here? It's like there in books. You, <laughs> you got nothing for him to do. You have nothing for even Scott Clifton to do anymore, and that's baffling like you always had something for scott clifton to do brad <laughs> now used like, to... yeah you always had something for scott clifton to do at least but now he's just like <laughs> he's a talk to character now i was like oh that what we're doing and see this is where this is where bnb has struggled for me bnb desperately needs new characters um and i feel as though I was having a conversation about this with a friend one night that, you know, when the young and the restless went to an hour, I think it was the biggest blessing in that show's history because none of the actors from the OG cast wanted to stay. 
So instead of recasting people, as we know, Bill Bell brought on the Williams, the Abbots, and Victor Newman, which eventually would turn into a whole family. Um, my thing is, is B&B almost needs to act like it's going to an hour and they have to usher in new characters. Because I think, you know, it's really hard to come up with stories for the same people for 35 years. You need to inject some new life into there. And there's uh, there's forces out there, Case. Like, yes, there for is. Example, you can bring Felicia's son, Dominic. You can age him to whatever. And you could start new generations of forces. Jack is out there. You have... Uh, I would love it. RJ. I would love... You got um, who else? Kids didn't Kristen have any other kids? I don't know. No, oh, Kristen only had uh, well adopted Zenday. This um, adopted, yeah. But like, you have still, Bridget's like, child. Bridget, Bridget has a child. You have what's his name? Oscar. You can you can age Oscar. You could do all these things and bring this new generation of foresters and they, even Logan. There's some Logans out there that we don't like. Okay. We got to recast, though. Donna's son. Marcus. <laughs> Marcus. He's got Daisy. I'm, you know, that kid with Amber. Um, come on now. Like, age that kid up or bring Amber. Yeah, why can't, you know, uh, RJ, you know, RJ should be heading all of this. Like, get RJ. Back, get should, Little Deacon back. Yeah, Little D. D yes. You got Little D out there. There's, there's so much potential that this show could do. Because I've seen these same characters doing the same thing over and over. It's boring to me. And Brad used to be good at just retooling and bringing in these characters or bringing in new people, bringing in new family uh, to try to, you know, stir things up a little bit. Like, Jackie Maroney, where is she? Did they kill her off? Is she still alive? Like, why... There's a lot of things you can do. There's so many like different directions you can take this show. Uh, it's just if you don't want to write for the Spencers anymore, write them out, Brad. Yeah, they definitely because, in my opinion, it, it's not really. And let me explain when I say this. For me, the writing isn't really the problem anymore. The issue for me is, which I think leads into the poor writing, is the fact that the show has failed to reboot itself. For many years now. The last reboot was the Avants, and we loved the Avants right up until all of them disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, the issue with that is the show hasn't rebooted itself since the Avants. And so we're left with a very stale show that's been about the same people. Like you said, Rodrigo, they're finding themselves in the same situation. And it's hard because, like, they feel as though, I feel as though Brad thinks he can't write Scott Clifton as a leading man if Liam is not waffling between Hope and Steffi. And it's like, okay, you introduce a new person. You introduce somebody that's not Thomas vying for Hope or Steffi vying for Liam. You introduce a new person entirely if you want to put them in a triangle. Or if you don't, okay, then... Liam or Hope can have a health scare or, you know, since Bill is being sent in this new direction, maybe Liam's nervous about if he has to step up, be a man and take over Spencer Publications or something. It's like 
Or just kill Liam off. off. Or just kill Liam off, which wouldn't be a bad thing to me. Um, and then you can introduce somebody from history uh, for hope. You know, maybe Rocco Carner had a son, you know. Um, well, that'd be kind of weird considering he was Katie's first boyfriend. Um, but, you know, still, well, they were never married. And that was... Oh, just put, put hope with Felicia's son. That's it. Boom. Oh, I would like that. That would be fine. Yeah, it's like... It's not that hard to kind of reboot the show. You just need a starting point like killing Liam off. And there you go. But yeah, B&B desperately needs a reboot because to be quite honest, I mean, there could be a million stories we come up with, but I don't see anything interesting for the whole show if they just continue to stick with the same 20 characters. They need new characters. They need returns of old favorites. They almost need a what a Ron Calabardi did to Days of Our Lives and GH and One Life in six months. You know, they need, they almost need you're going to be canceled type of energy <laughs> to get yeah, this. Yeah, needs to have a talk with Brad. Yeah, they really do. They really do. <laughs> and I get it. You know, Brad owns the majority of the show. But guess what, motherfucker? Your show wouldn't have been so hot if CBS wasn't like, okay, we're canceling uh, White House affairs for your fashion soap opera with your father. So, point blank, period. Step in. Well, meanwhile, on B&B's sister show, The Young and the Restless, Rodrigo, what are you thinking of Daniel Romilotti being back? Love it. I love seeing Graz back on my screen. He looks amazing. Um, having his first scenes be back with Lily, uh, with Krista Khalil's Lily, I, I was like, hmm, are we doing the Daniel and Lily retread again? I mean, I wouldn't mind that because Krista Khalil actually has chemistry with him. And this was the only pairing that I liked of Lily's, her old tenure is with Daniel. Um, I love how Daniel's getting into Billy's ass because he's Daniel knows <laughs> a loser. And he doesn't, he's not quiet about it. I like how he's making mess for Lily and Billy. And I think he's the jolt that that story needed. Um, it's so good to see a familiar face back on the show. Someone that has she liked, has a history. Uh, we see Michael Damien's coming back, I believe. Yes, the- yes, he is. So- we're going to see that aspect again. I hope to see maybe a little bit more Phyllis and Christine interaction with uh, Danny coming back. I would love to see that whole maybe memory of that time when Phyllis was running over people, her cars, and uh, being loopy and, <laughs> and crazy. Um, so I'm loving that. That Graz is back. Phyllis needs him because... Oh, the way Phyllis is carrying on in this story with Diane, how that's going to be blowing up in her face. I saw the previews for this week where Jack goes in on Phyllis. I've never seen Peter Bergman play Jack with that fury in that in that promo with Michelle Stafford. I was like, okay, finally, like Jack is just okay. We've been saying Jack is stupid. But at least there's a reason now he can get in Phyllis's face because she just brought this terror into town. 
and shit is about to blow up. But Graz being there as Daniel is going to be the ice of the cake because, you know, Daniel always gets Phyllis's ass for all her stunts and gives her the real all the time. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Amen. I couldn't have said it better myself because just the first, not even the first scene, just that Friday cliffhanger where he walks into society and she goes, oh my God, uh, Daniel. And just seeing his face again, it felt so young and restless. It really did. It felt just like I was watching the young and the restless. All the bad stories faded away for a split second. All the small sets, like all the mansions being downsized to studio apartments. It, it all just felt amazing. Um, my only thing, though, my only note, because, you know, just just me. I love that they talked about that history, and I'm sure they're coming. I would have loved to have seen flashbacks, though. It's just, you know, we're in the 50th season now. It's your first big return. I didn't understand why we're not getting flashbacks like that. Like, Yeah, I, I don't either. We want to see Daniel Lilly on the run. We want to see all that shit, because like that's that's what made them a couple when they went on that run. Yes. Uh, that that's I, Cassie's death and all that shit. Like that is it, it, amazing storytelling that like with those two. So I want to yeah. see that scene where Drusilla like grabbed Lily's arm and pulled her away from Daniel. And she's like, but mom, I love him. Like, I, I want to see those flashbacks. It was great that they were having those conversations, but it's like, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't Gina Tagnoni and Peter Bergman back when she played Phyllis. You can show us actual flashbacks of Daniel and Lily. It's okay. Has Daniel run into uh, Mariah yet? I don't know. I'm like three episodes behind. Alan, has he ran they, into Mariah? I think they met during his last visit. Oh, uh, that's right. Yes, during the Newman Towers thing. I would like to have a little scene with those two again. We're on the 50th. So Daniel seeing Mariah should always remind him of Cassie, of course, and like that time. But and see, this would have been great if, like Tig's suggestion, if Lucy would have been right behind Daniel and would have been a teen pregnancy, because yeah. then that baby, it would have been life to the twin sister of the twin that died under your watch. Like, you know what I mean? It would have been you know, it would have been so symbolic um, to hand off life going, to Mariah. I wonder if they're going to recast Lucy. Like, did they say how old she was? I didn't get that in the dialogue. Because I, all I heard was she's in Europe or somewhere with Heather. Well, so I'm very, okay, I'm very confused by the age of Lucy. And the reason I say that is because last year when um, Phyllis went to go visit them, Summer was having a conversation. I think it might have been with Kyle. And Summer was like, oh, yeah, Bomb went to go visit little Lucy and brought her so many toys. I'm like, little Lucy? Lucy was born when? Like 2012 or 11 or something? It's like, by all laws of soap opera science, Lucy should be like 17 by now. Especially in middle school. Because, it, it, because uh, Johnny was also born around that time. so. And Johnny's in middle school now, so 
that makes sense. Yeah, because Faith was born 2008, I think, and Faith was just 2009, I think. 2000. Oh, you know what? It was 09. Yeah. Okay. Because I. Okay. Yeah, but and Faith was just an off to college. So yeah, maybe she's in the eighth grade or something. Um. No, that would be a time to like. Okay, young and arrested. Like, okay. I'm seeing Johnny and Connor. Every time I see them, I'm like, why? Why are they still kids? Like, I don't. Bill Bell would have had those kids being teenagers so long ago. It's not even funny. Like, that's your new. That's your young and arrested generation. Is Johnny and Connor, and uh, you could have bring in Lucy and. Uh, Faith and Moses would be the cat, like the anchors, because of the little older than the episode. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. It should have been like you know, we should. I had... didn't make it that old though, because when they did our Faith age, Rob did nothing with her. Might as well get a few years out of that. Basically, well, I mean, remember like... the age read up, and he didn't really do anything for him that much. But I think Rodrigo is also, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rodrigo. But I think you're looking at it through which I know we have Josh Griffith, but I'm saying I think you were looking at it through the lens of Bill Bell had story every time he aged somebody up. Yes, he always had a plan for, like, okay, for aging Nicholas and... Victoria. Victoria and all of them. When they were aged, he had a plan. When Victoria came back, already 16, that girl was hell on earth, and he, she had a plan. She is the teen temptress, just like her daddy, Victor. And, like, there was a story there. When Nick came back from cop, from boarding school, was Josh from Mora, <laughs> there was a story there with the whole uh, Matt Clark and Sharon, all that stuff. Johnny, I thought you could have played that Johnny and Connor thing with, the, with them being a little bit older. Like, them playing at 12, their reactions. I'm like, hmm. But think of it if they were like little older teenagers and they can do like, you know, hot shit. I mean, yeah, they should have done, they should have done 90210 because... You have, you have the characters there. You have the formula to have that happen. It's just Unlike like, Sally oh. Sussman, you know, back when Sally was on the show she aged up Maddie and Charlie and Reed. But the issue was where Sally fell flat for me and her sore assing was, well, CBS interference, but also notice she had to introduce two other girls to the canvas. But Josh Griffith, now where he's at, he has an embarrassment of riches with legacy characters. Lucy, Johnny, Connor, Faith, Moses. That is literally your next generation. You know, Faith and Moses should have been juniors and Johnny, Connor, and Lucy should have been freshmen. And you could have done some very 90210 plots with them. And then, of course, yeah, introduce another girl and guy to the mix, of course. Which is it, you know, the rest has always done that, you know, look, Raul and Brittany and mm-hmm. those characters that became more because they interacted with the legacy characters. So like, yeah. Especially Rihanna. for your 50th. It's like, why wouldn't they create, you know, recreate Glow by Jabot? You know, um, Billy is back at Jabot and he works closely with Allie and the Kim lab and they want to recreate Glow by Jabot. 
and um, they want Faith to be the face of it. And she's like, you know, Sharon can march up in there and be like, my daughter is not the face of your cosmetics brand in her junior year. And she's like, oh, mom, I want to do it. And, you know, oh, my God, there could have been just so much more story for those kids. But now Faith is gone. Moses is gone. Johnny and Connor are still little kids. Lucy's in Denmark with Heather. That's ridiculous to me. This is the 50th anniversary of the show. Let's get things into high gear with the young part of the young and the rest. We're doing great for the 50-year-olds. The 50 and the 60-year-olds have plenty of story. You know, Susan Walters has carried this show on her back for almost a full year now. But what are we doing about the young part of the young and the restless? Kelly, let's drop Roy Gibson and Kelsey Wagner occurring. Which is probably so pay stupid. For, they just probably to pay for Michael Grosley's contract, probably. I guess. But yeah. Because the money has Audra, to go for, come from somewhere. Audra revealed there was a baby. And now we put Rory Gibson and Kelsey Wang on contract. That's ridiculous. Oh, I'm referring. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I was talking. Just when that Noah and Audrey thing is about to heat up this week, I'm like, okay, so we're just going to drop it. You know, it's recurring. Doesn't necessarily mean no storyline because look at Tracy Bregman was recurring for 20 years and has <laughs> had storylines here and there. But I, that's your young, like, Josh, these are actually young and restless people doing. Young wrestling shit, and you don't want to. <laughs> this it, to me, this to me was going to be if they played their cards right. Audra was like the Grace Turner to Allie and Noah's Nick and Sharon. Like I could see it, I could see it so much, and they're on recurring. Mm-hmm. It's like, and now Gibson has a haircut. Now he's wearing a cap. Now he can film something else. So now you don't have the lockdown, so he can do whatever he wants now. Exactly. It's just like when they put Robert Adamson and Sophia Pernes on recurring all those years ago in the middle of their Red Hot story. And then a month later, Sophia Pernes booked that Transylvania pilot. It's like these actors are going to go if you let them. They are going to leave and it will only be yourself to blame. It's just like and I know this is switching gears a little bit, but it's just like on The Bold and the Beautiful we're reaching the climax of the Sheila is really alive story this week out of nowhere. I tweeted, oh, this should have happened back in August. And people are like, well, um, Liberty Biberty was filming a movie. I don't fucking care. When you put your lead actor in the middle of a storyline, you lock them down or you block tape. It is not that hard. You don't let these people go off and do movies and pilots when you're sacrificing your soap opera and your storyline that covers six months, that's ridiculous. I'm over it. Lock your actors down. I agree. I mean, that's, and they're so surprised when they leave, like these actors leave and whatnot. Of course they don't. They got rent to pay. (laughs) (laughs) Like recurring on me, they're not getting paid while recurring. They get paid for the shows they do. That's what recurring is. They're not guaranteed money for a contract. So yes, they're going to go out for pilot season. They're going to find movies or parts and if it eventually leads to something bigger, 
Bye-bye, Bold and Beautiful. Bye, Young and Restless. I'm not staying here if I'm not guaranteed my money. So, yeah, that's the show's fault for not locking them in. And it, it lets them get away and do other things. And that affects stories. And that's why you see some of these stories are stale. They just don't go nowhere because they don't have the right... The, the actor you hire, you want to put on recurring. And then instead of recasting with someone cheaper or locking someone in, another, you, you let the story go. And it hurts the show at the end. And I'm like, okay, well, when is that going to stop? Like, it's... It, you can see it on screen. It affects the show. It affects the storytelling. It affects the pacing of the show. Because you can't play so-and-so because you got them on recurring. I mean, <laughs> look no further. Look no further than, you know, Chelsea and Ray. I would have been a whole lot more invested in Chelsea's journey had Jordy allegedly not been cut for somebody else's salary. I would have been a hell of a lot more invested. But no, we have to cut him to pay for somebody else because we don't know how to manage the budget, allegedly. And that's it. And so now we have to rush Chelsea's emotions and Chelsea's feelings when it's like, why does she care this much? Why does she care more than Sharon that Ray is dead? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. And you know where he gets us in the book of Hallmark movies too, and he's gonna be out of lair. Oh, yes, he's got a bubble butt, he's working out, he's really cute. He is going to be the farm guy that Candace Cameron dumps the guy in New York City for. Well, she's not on Hallmark anymore because they don't have gay people now. Oh, yeah. Sorry. She's with Yak. She's with the Yak Shack or whatever. Yak. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. That's the appropriate name for that. Yak. Yeah. Appropriate. (laughs) Yak Shack. Um. So and it just frustrates me. And you know, Kelsey, Kelsey's gonna find something big. I already see Kelsey on the CW or in Scream 17, or I know what you did last July 4th. Like she's gonna be gone too. She's young, she's beautiful, she's a great actress, she's got the soap experience, so she knows how to memorize those pages quickly, I'm sure. This is ridiculous. And going into the 50th, this is Kind of a separate topic, but it goes along with the same thing because it concerns Noah. Sharon Newman is one of the most important characters on this show. In fact, when I think of The Young and the Restless today in 2022, I think of Sharon, Jack, Nikki, and Victor. It's like we have regressed Sharon so much ahead of the 50th. Faith is not on the canvas. Noah's recurring. The lesbians are never shown. And she's always in the coffee house. And both of her love interests are in another story with Sally. That's ridiculous to me. It's like you have regressed one of your most important characters because you don't know how to tell stories. You don't know how to allegedly balance a budget. All Sharon does is give free advice at that coffee shop. Like that's all she does all day. Every day, looking beautiful. Sharon Case was like a million bucks in that couture at the little Starbucks over there. She's running, but it's oh it's, yeah, she's uh, the Carrie, she's the Carrie Bradshaw of Genoa City. She is, she is a generous barista over there. Like she is just giving advice and like, <laughs> you know, what I mean, everyone goes to her for therapy. Like, she should be charging all these motherfuckers for this shit. It's all this free service she's doing for these people, but. 
no, Sharon Kay's, first of all, was loved interviewing her. She's so beautiful. Yes. But Sharon has no storyline. Like this Ray story, the Ray dying did nothing for her because two, two weeks later, she was back to slinging coffee. And as if nothing happened to Ray. And it's just like, okay, Sharon, where there's so much you can do with her. Like, we still don't know who her father is. She's like the Elizabeth Weber of Genoa City. Like, she, we don't know who this father is. And she keeps talking to, like, we don't know him. That could be a good storyline for her. Like, it, they just don't know what to do with her. Like, it's plain. Like, they Doctor don't, doesn't like her at all. No. He's never really liked her. At all. It's so, it's weird. She's like one of your best actresses, your leading ladies. She has chemistry with almost everybody on that set. I mean, and she has no storyline. It's it's baffling that Sharon Case does not have a storyline on the other wrestlers. Like she has not had a real storyline. Sad to say, since Chuck Pratt. <laughs> yeah, no, you're true. totally right. Since Chuck Pratt, and that was like seven years ago. Like that whole the baby switch and the whole, you know. As much as we didn't like Sharon being involved in another baby saga, <laughs> at least she was playing in stories. Jill Farron Phelps gave her something to do more than Josh Griffiths does. Like, it's, it's this is embarrassing. Like, you do don't have anything for her to play, but give advice at the coffee shop. Like, that's that's Sharon's whole life. That's it. Yeah. Like, why couldn't she be a part of this take Diane down shit? Like. I mean, she has a reason to hate Diane too. <laughs> so why, why is she not involved with it? I don't know. Exactly. <sighs> well, let's move on to General Hospital because a lot happened there too. Um, Holly went up in flames and walked off into the fog, uh, wrapping up Emma Sam's return. Um, there's also a lot going on with Jocelyn. Um, we're also wondering about Trina's paternity still. Alan, what are you thinking of GH right now? There's a lot going on. Ellie's a dumbass because Anna would have helped her. <laughs> Laura would have helped her find Ethan and rescue him. But no, she had to fucking shoot Lucy. What a fucking moron. And people on Twitter are being hard on Jocelyn. I get it. She's cheating on on camera and not really thinking about Cameron's feelings or anything like that. And she's kind of a hypocrite because she got on Sunny for his cheating. But I don't care. I like it. I like that Jocelyn's being messy. I wanted this for a long time and I'm happy, I'm happy it's happening. Me too. Definitely. I And... I'm starting to care a lot about Dex and Joss. I actually really like them together. They're growing on me. Um, but yeah, the whole Holly thing, when it comes to that side of the show, um, I really love with GH, say what you will. And I know this is going to sound shocking. I'm actually enjoying GH a hell of a lot more. And Rodrigo Allen and all of our listeners know how through I was with that show over the summer. 
But what has saved GH for me this fall is it has been the fall of the veterans. It's been Robert, Felicia, Anna, Holly, Mac. All of our veterans are on front and center, um, or at least a huge portion of them. And I'm, I've been loving it. I mean, they really tried to give us very 80s-esque stories with these um, big vet performers. And I think for me, they delivered. Um, there's still a lot undone. I know the Ice Princess has been dragging on, but I'm really loving that the show is focused around these veteran performers. And like Source Ryan said, um, he said something like two months ago, I think it was, he said, having Finola Hughes at the center of GH just feels right. And I could not agree more. Um, because the vets are the safety net. They're the anchor. They've been making the show go for 60 years. Um, so, yeah, I... I do like that aspect. I, I do, yeah. I can say about Chris and Dan, Dan and Chris, and they've learned from Ron, is the way you write for these veterans. Like, these, they, the fact that they put in, in 2022, Finoli Hughes' is driving story, Lynn Herring's driving story, Christina Wagner's driving story. John J. York is driving story. Like Tristan Rogers and Emma Sams and Jeannie. Fr okay, like that's just this embarrassment of riches of like that we have on the show. And the Holly thing, I'll be honest, I've never liked the character of Holly. I've never understood people's fascination with this lady. I, I think she's. I think I was done with this character when they did that virus storyline where she was going to <laughs> play with Robin's life yes. over some shit. Like, she would never have done that to Robin. She, Robin's the love of her life. And she wants. Well, I did kill Courtney off, so good for Holly. Well, yeah. <laughs> they came out of that. But no, the, the character of Holly, every time they bring her back, it's some different interpretation of this character. It's one is worse than the other. This last thing. It wasn't I that really bad. Liked it. I really it liked wasn't it. bad for me, but I was just like Holly. You, like Alan said, you could have gone to Laura for help, Robert. I mean, you let Victor play you like this, like no. Over some dumbass. I just think maybe she should have been brainwashed when it comes to killing, well, shooting yeah. Lucy rather. Like it's Lucy, we still that's still up in the air. Is Lucy dead or alive? Like when is she coming back? Um, so they left that up in the air, and like, like, okay, we know Lucy's not dead because they would not kill off Lucy. Killed. I mean, that's ridiculous and asinine. I know Lucy's somewhere in a room, locked up <laughs> somewhere. Uh, and hopefully, that's going to be part of the this ice princess thing, which is took way too long than they should have. And I understand why it's taken long because, you know, it's been a lot of the behind the scenes. You know, Charles Shining was out for a while and um, a lot of people are recurring and all that stuff. So, so yeah, so it's a lot of like drop things, but hopefully we'll see that come to its fruition. One thing I'm really liking though is seeing Becky Herbs in this storyline with Esme and Nicholas. I've, think that was the smartest thing this show could have done was get her away from that Finn madness and get her involved in Nicholas shenanigans with Esme because the scenes between Rebecca Herbs and Avery Poole where Lord Liz is looking at her like bitch 
Um, you think I'm supposed to help you after what you did to my son? <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> so she's not, she is not falling for Esme's bullshit. She sees right through that little girl. I enjoy this part of it. Liz getting involved with Nicholas and the cast dying shenanigans. This is more like it for me. Um, if it leads to something between Nicholas and Elizabeth again, hmm, I wouldn't say no to that being... It'd be an upgrade. Definitely, it'd be an upgrade for her. And, um, and I won't have to hear, I'm sorry. I love Rebecca Hepps. I don't want to hear any more complaints because I think, this, I think they finally are like, okay, we're getting her away from Finn because that, that shit's over. I don't think they're even going there anymore. We got her father back. I think they're going to keep playing that Jeff Weber thing angle over, but I love Liz getting messy in this with Nicholas and Esme. Like, that's, that was a genius move to do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just, I don't know, with Liz, I <laughs> I have so many thoughts about Elizabeth. Um, but anyway, Alan, what are you also thinking of Cyrus um, on GH right now um, as he's in prison with Spencer and he's facing off against Victor and all that drama? That's good, though. I eventually want him to kill Cyrus off because... There's only so much you can do with Cyrus before he has to die. No, I love Cyrus in this. It, At I least another Cyrus. year. Like, if you play him out for another year, then I kill him off. I love this. Him, the back and forth between him and Victor, like, I enjoy that. Because, like, Cyrus is looking at, like, Cyrus is messy on Friday. He was being messy. Nicholas, um, Spencer, no, look. I'm the uncle you can you can trust. Not this one. This uncle mm-hmm. you got right here is making a fool out of you. And I'm actually telling you the truth. This man took was scheming against your grandmother. He knows that his love, he's using Spencer's love for Laura, which is very, that's very, uh, I think that's a smart move on Cyrus's part to get Spencer to trust him um, that he would expose Victor like this. So now Spencer's all you know, fascination and his love for Victor is, it's like, it's slowly, Spencer's starting to see who Vic really is, thanks to Cyrus's help. I like that aspect of it. I hope when Spencer gets out of jail, there's a way to keep Cyrus in there too a little bit because I I enjoy Jeff um, Colbert. Colbert in the role. I love him in this part. I especially when he's in scenes with Jeannie Francis. And my favorite scenes is when Cyrus and Laura go against each other. Um, and I love the dynamic with, with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, Michael E. Knight's Martin. I like, I like their dynamic together. Uh, I'd be sad they killed them off. I'd be like, oh no, I like this. If you don't have long as exists on the canvas, you should give him, a, give him a kid. I'd rather laugh than having truck nuts. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I think I could do. Oh, why are they making Max son? Why, why? Well, I don't make... know. I mean, you know, were the DNA tests altered? Do you think, or do you believe? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope. Uh, somebody messed with the. I don't know who would want to mess with these results, but I hope somebody We're back did. from the dead, Catherine Bell, maybe. Oh God, no. Oh, you know, no, because you know, 
uh, Frank Valentini is just itching to give Cassie the Piva a call. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I Cassie. know you, Cody Bell. I raised you. Oh my God. Imagine her as Catherine Bell. Hmm, I'm trying to think about that. No, right. <laughs> no. Mm, I need no. a job in the pear pit. No. <laughs> Just bring Blair back. I thought it twice <laughs> and I survived. <laughs> Just bring oh Blair. God. Just bring Blair back. <laughs> you know you going to call Cassie the Bible up. <laughs> well, if he really wants to be a bitch and try to steal Mary Beth Evans back from days. Mary Beth told me to tell you she's (laughs) just fine getting poisoned by Orpheus. Playing the same story. Go on, Mary. Back is mine. (laughs) Alan, please. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. But that was my first thought, was you know in a heartbeat he'd call up Cassie to Piva. (sighs) Jesus. Um. Anyway, any more thoughts on GH? Um, what do you all think of Trina's paternity and the whole um, Marshall and Curtis finding out he didn't have the uh, uh, markers for schizophrenia? Get along. Let's get on with this. Like, I, I don't like, and I hope you're listening, Dan and Chris. Chris and Dan, you still have time to rewrite where you where we know you're going. But now they put a little... So now Trina does not have the marker for the schizophrenia. So now that throws me off that, oh, maybe Portia just didn't know who the father was and just chose not to get a paternity test back then. So she just said uh, Marcus was the father. So I I don't even know. Excuse (laughs) me. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, Marcus is still the father. I don't need Curtis being the father of Trina. Like, no. It, it's it's dumb. I don't like that. Trina's a legacy character. She's tied to history with Taggart. Like, it's... it's. I like it that way. I don't care about Kurt, Curtis and all this. And no. And they only want to do this for Trina to, like, hate her mother and she's going to go on the run with Spencer. Like, I think they're setting up somewhere where Trina finds out about this and then her and Spencer, which I, you know, I'm still, well, I would actually, I would love that if, you I'm know, still team Sprina. I love, I'm still hanging on to them despite. Oh, of course. Oh, I'm so tortured, but like the torture. of those They two. are very, it's giving Sheridan and Louise from passions. <laughs> right. It's about to be <laughs> two years. Come on guys. Stop it. Um, but I, just don't play with Trina's maternity. Like, no, don't do it. Just don't do it. There's, there's a million stories you can do with with Portia and Curtis and Marshall and them. Like, you don't have to go the paternity route with this. Or, you know, Marshall could honestly just die at this point. Because, and I'm not talking, maybe he can get hooked. Maybe he can die in his sleep or whatever. I, I'm just kind of over Marshall. Even, and now there's a... Marshall might not even be Curtis's daddy now. Like now, I they, know they put <laughs> that out there. I was like, "What the hell is going on on that <laughs> that writing room?" Like, no, you guys don't know what you are doing with this family. You could, you could. They just don't know what to do with that family at all. Alan, wasn't, Alan, wasn't it you who tweeted out that they need a break from paternity stories? Wasn't that you? yes? Because they have so many going on on the show. 
as big as I know who her mother is, and blah, blah, blah. So oh, many. Will doesn't I hope they are not going in this Heather Webber being as big as mother. When Heather and Ryan looked at each other last week, people were like, uh-oh. Is she the mama? Now, see, I don't know when they fucked 22 years ago, but... <laughs> I mean, this is the same show. Even after Heather Webber, she had a hysterectomy or something back in the day. Like, she yes. couldn't have kids. So there's no way she could have been Franco's mother because she couldn't have any kids. <laughs> but they rewrote that because to make her and Scotty Franco's parents. So I smell another rewrite. Uh, first of all, Esme is a rewrite of even being Ryan's daughter because you're like, when did Ryan have a time to have a child? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, yeah. Too many paternities. I'm, uh, it's, it's confusing me. I can't keep things together. But at the same time, GH is entertaining me. It's like, like you say, Kate, it is one of the soaps that is entertaining me, is GH. Like, that's a, out of all the four shows right now. Um, so finally, um, let's close out General Hospital with a discussion about Leslie Charlson. Um, so there have been many rumors lately about Leslie's place on the show and if she's ready for retirement or if there's something else maybe coming up for her. Um, it was something Tiggs and I talked about. Alan, do you feel it's time to wrap up? Monica stint if Leslie no longer wants to be available. Yeah, just say Leslie, hey, can you come back for one episode to say to have Monica say she's gonna go on cruises around the world all the time now? That's it. That's all you need to do. Because Monica doesn't have any kids on the show now. All her kids are dead. She has a grandchild and a grandson, but any fine for Monica to just say. I'm just gonna go sail cruising now. Bye. It was, it's bullshit to have Monica off screen. Actually, probably write her out and have an actual goodbye. Or they, and I'm gonna be controversial here. They could just recast. I mean, it's been done before where actors have retired. And they just, but if I would only recast if they're going to actually give. Monica, something to do because if you're just gonna recast just to save face, that there's a quarter made in the house. Yes, I do agree. Like, right out, let uh, Monica wants to go retire and go travel with Tracy or something like that. She, you know, like, or I wouldn't kill off Monica, but you know, yeah, just have her go off somewhere. Or, well, maybe but, you can resolve it during the 60th anniversary week. You know, and that way you can pay tribute to one of your longest running cast members. Um, if not the longest running cast, I mean, 19. Right. 45 years. Yeah, she's been there for 45 years. And I've never taken for, a break. Never, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Leslie for retirement. She's done her job there. She is an icon. Everyone knows Monica from Gerard. Like, she's, she's a staple. Um, I would hate to see her low, but you know, these actors can't keep doing this for <laughs> forever. I know some fans, you know, they constantly want the vets on the screen. They want the vets. They want the vets. But sometimes the vets don't want to work like that no more. 
And it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to let them go. Like, it's, yeah. So either if they're going to recast Monica, she needs a story. If they're not going to recast her, let Leslie get her tribute, get her flowers, and Monica can go off and go visit Tracy or something. Or like, well, let's, to- let's be careful what we wish for. Because, look, I don't see a point to recasting Monica because I don't think we should be recasting legends. But if they were going to, you're totally right. She needs a story. But under no circumstances should that story be some retcon of history. You know, it shouldn't be, oh, Jeff Weber is really her brother, never her husband. Dun, dun, dun. Like, I don't need one of those Monica gets the latest history retcon. I mean, really. If Monica dies, do not give Michael that house. A corrupt please, please the not the mansion. Please don't give Michael that house. Lord, just give it to Ned. <laughs> oh, God. Or even Wiley. I take Wiley over Michael. No, Michael will get that house. You know why? Because Michael has been up Monica's butt for so many years. And Monica's, it, Monica <laughs> has defended that boy and done everything for Michael. And yeah, she'll, he'll, Michael will get that house. He will. Well, she is, she is her only biological relative. The only biological And she feels, I think Monica feels guilty. She's been feeling guilty for years for not having the chance to raise Michael in the quarter main house. Now she finally has him for all this time. Yeah. I she- would honestly love it if they did a twist and maybe she left it to Brooklyn. Um, and then it's like, okay, you're young enough. You do love this house. You are to stay in this house. And then it could be, because I imagine if Monica were to pass on, it would be a fight for the house. Of course it would be. I would love that. That would be a good fight, like good story, especially with Michael versus Brooklyn. Fucking Brooklyn. Brooklyn really needs a. Ooh, I love I love Amanda Set. <laughs> I know you do. love Amanda Set. I love that lady, but this couple past week with Brooklyn and just the, her selfish ass ways with Chase and that whole. Sh- she didn't want to go back before because she wanted to mole a rock star dummy. Dumb, 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 dumb. And I'm glad that she's getting like hell for it because I'm like, Brooklyn, what were you thinking? But that character needs a better story that's not involving music. It has to be ELQ business. I don't care. Like, that's what makes the quartermains the quartermains. Um, so if Monica dying and leaving that house to her. It causes infighting with Michael, and it's Ned gets involved. Yeah, I would love a messy corner main story again. Yeah, me too. Um, so finally, uh, let's discuss the primetime chat. Uh, while we were away, Grey's Anatomy aired its winter finale, um, and then its uh, mid-season premiere in the new year will be Ellen Pompeo's last episode as a series regular after 19 years and more than 400 episodes. Uh, Alan, what are you thinking as we head into Meredith Grey's clothes as an everyday character? Here's the fucking end. Because your fucking series lead is leaving. What's the point of going on? That don't make no sense. Great, okay. 
Gray's Anatomy is the name of your show, right? <laughs> the, the, the main Gray that's been there since day one. That how do you <laughs> how do you go forward without your main star? That's like that's why I thought Gray's they should have been there last season. If Ellen's leaving, they should have been the last season, and they could do that do a spinoff with this new with this new um these new interns and whatnot. And you have Kate Walsh leave that show and call us like Shonda said. Shonda said she wouldn't mind if private practice came back. Something like that. Or like I mean Shonda's got that Netflix deal. Like why doesn't she create that spinoff for Netflix? I I don't know. No contractually it has to be for ABC. ABC. Well she I mean she could do something like it's like my thing is is I think Grey's Anatomy needs to end, but the universe doesn't have to come to an end. Um, you know, I'm very invested in all of these new interns. Um, I'm in, highly invested in Kate Walsh now being a semi-recurring cast member. Um, it's like they can work with that, you know. Uh, I do agree with Alan. I think if you do lose Grey's, you have to develop that spinoff for ABC. It can't be a streaming spinoff, in my opinion. Um, you know, you really have well, to... Fill- they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to do that because ABC, you know, it's not Netflix. So they can put it on Hulu, maybe. Maybe they can put it on Hulu because ABC and Hulu are like... They got the repeats on Hulu, all the ABC show. Uh, they could do a spin I just watched... I just finished The Good Fight. On Paramount Plus, that's the, yes. the off of the Good Wife. Amazing! I thought it was much better than the Good Wife. I thought this was the best show I've seen in years. Taking that Diane Lockhart character, Christina Ranch's character, and putting her in this all black law firm, such a stroke of genius uh, to do that, and then put in, you know, stuff relevant stuff that's going on in the country. Grace could do that. You spent, you've already introduced a great set of interns uh, for this new season that could carry their own show. And you just have to like have one of the stars, like maybe have Miranda, you know, Bailey become their boss. You know, she can head the show or something. You no, know, I mean, like, the perfect the perfect outlet is the clinic. You know, in the winter finale, Joe Addison. Not Joe and Addison, Joe Bailey, and who else opened the clinic? Um, and yeah, no, you could do with something there, like a clinic, like a private practice show. Again, basically, that's what <laughs> exactly. That's what it was gonna be anyway. It'll be a private practice show. Yeah. So, like, yeah, but I miss Ellen. I mean, look, even though she's got her little, she's got her little issues. She just needs to work on in real life. Um, because, girl, just because you're married to a black man don't mean we need your help all the time, baby. Really? Just, <laughs> we don't need your help, babe. We don't. It's okay. Um, it's giving Stephanie Forrester, you are all my people. Yes, it's, it's, it's not cute, Ellen. But I will miss seeing her face. She is the face of Grace. It's her show. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's the face of the brand, too. Like, yes. of course, Kate Walsh is important, but without Ellen, 
there is no private practice. There is no off the map, which was that 13 episode Jenna Bands created series. Mm -hmm. There's no Station 19. I mean, love or hate Meredith Grey, the show wasn't even the show wasn't even called Grey's Anatomy to begin with. Shonda went through all these stupid titles. I think even one of them was just surgeons. But then she was like, oh, wait, ABC wants me to retitle this. My character, Meredith Grey, there's a book, Grey's Anatomy. Swap out the A for the E, there you go. But now we're having Grey's Anatomy with no Meredith Grey. That would be like- no, we're keeping we Owen. <laughs> oh, God, Owen. That would be like if we called, you know, uh, the Young and the Restless, the Newmans and the Abbots, and there were no Newmans or Abbots, and it was just Sally Spectra. Yeah. Well, anyway, good luck. Good luck to the show. Good luck, Ellen. <laughs> I mean, she that lady has enough money. She don't need to do another series of it. She got Oh Lord, money. did you see her her Malibu house tour? <laughs> <laughs> that lady's gonna be retiring really good. So uh, more blessings to her. She's got her dining room table was once a studio table at like some famous fashion house or something. And she's like, oh, this is where we all have dinner. Mm. But yeah, she, she's uh -oh. and you know, Ellen is still acting and she's producing now because she's gonna air that cute little rip-off of the orphan on Hulu. And you know, she she's got some stuff to be done. Acting and stuff too. So she's doing, I think she's gonna go more behind the scenes now and yeah. do more of that instead of in, in front of the cameras, which is, you know, that's a nice, like, little semi retirement type thing to do. Like, she, she's done enough. Like, she's made enough money acting that she can now, she's proven that she can run her own series she's got a lot of training under shonda rhymes and all the other producers there debbie allen i'm, I'm sure taught her some things <laughs> um so yes. i'm sure she is she's got a good future ahead of her and i think it was her time to go 19 years playing the same character i mean that's an actor's wish a dream to have that one role that one central role that just forever changed your life and this is the role for Ellen. Like, like we would not know who she was without Grey's Anatomy. Like, period. Yeah. And then between either narration or her face being seen, she's done every episode. So it's like she deserves a long slumber and a new life. And, you know, she's only 53. And with all her talents, she will be just fine. There is life after Grace for Ellen Popeco. <laughs> well, in the meantime, Alan, to hear thoughts beyond the podcast, where can our listeners find you on the Twitter? Follow me on Twitter, Alan Rappa, and you can read my column, Alan Soapbox, on thepopbreak.com. Wonderful. What do we got in terms of a topic from you? Uh, last month, November's column was top 10 best soap decisions of 2022. December's column I haven't written yet. It's going to be about how John Larissa is wasting Sharon. Awesome. I love that. And then, Rodrigo, what about you, my dear? Where can they find you on that bird app? If I'm on that bird app, <laughs> oh, 
for a long time um, at Rodrigo's World 81. Oh, God, God, God. If um, Elon, we might not be out there, but hey, we're still going <laughs> to keep trooping. We're still going, people, chat fans, okay? We're not going anywhere. So, well, except for Chaz, he left Twitter. Yes, you can follow Chaz at hashtag Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He wrote in your hearts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And of course, uh, Tiggs will be back on Wednesday, but in the meantime, you can follow him at the Bin Master Part Two. You can follow me at KCS Hutch. You can follow our show on Twitter at the Chat underscore Podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Chat Show Podcast. And we only have two more episodes left before we deliver the best and the worst of 2022. That's always our fun final show of the year. My favorites. My favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So don't miss it, y'all. But until next time, we will see you Wednesday with a new top five and a new special guest co-host. So see you soon. Bye. Bye, y'all. Thank you.